It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We just found out a lot about the Jets' dysfunction in 2023, and a lot of the key decision makers on the team are not looking very good today. We'll survey the damage today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Thursday, February 1st, 2024, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listener or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. Helps us out. Helps other Jets fans find the podcast. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, as you may have seen, yesterday a bombshell article dropped from The Athletic detailing a lot of Jets dysfunction behind the scenes. We're going to talk about that today with my good friend Michael Nania, who's joining the show. Let's jump into my chat with Michael Nania of JetsXFactor.com about the article written about the 2023 Jets by The Athletic. Joining us today, a good friend of mine, Michael Nania from JetsXFactor.com, back on the show. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, John. Always good to be back. Well, you know, we're in the offseason now, and usually the days are quiet, but this week we got a big piece of news. It was kind of a retrospective on the Jets season from The Athletic. Uh, Diana Russini, who's a national reporter, Zach Rosenblatt, who's a local beat writer, combining to write an expose on a lot of the things that were happening behind the scenes for the New York Jets in 2023. And a lot of it does not paint the team and the leadership of the team in a positive light. You know, I'm interested in your initial thoughts on this. Uh, you know, that's for me, like the most striking thing was the revelations about Robert Sala. Cause I think a lot of the other stuff was just confirming stuff that we kind of assumed, but like the Sala stuff was really bad. And I was not impressed by the job Sala did, you know, during the season, but I, I was really, I, I found a lot of the stuff that they revealed in that article be shocking about the job he did. So interested in your, your thoughts and, you know, whether you thought that that was the most compelling part of the story. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of different directions you can go with this. I mean, for this to be a random, um, you know, Wednesday here at the end of January, jet season is over three, four weeks in the books at this point. And then this just drops, you know, it's a it's a huge bombshell to get to, at this point in the offseason. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of it was kind of just um, affirming some of the things that we already thought and knew about this regime. It was, it was interesting to hear, you know, some of those specific details in terms of like, you know, because we all know Nathaniel Hackett is bad. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. 
or at least he did a poor job this past season. But to hear specific things like, you know, not watching enough film or not making certain adjustments that other coaches ask for, um, things like that is, you know, it's, it's definitely, I would say, you know, a sort of damning indictment on them when you're getting like these, you know, very clear criticisms on a, on a, a key coach of the coaching staff, because we all see the, you know, the production of the unit, but you know, the Jets had injuries this season and all that. So it's easy to hide behind that. But then when you hear reports that like, you know, there are reasons that the coaches have a lot to do with that, then I think it is, you know, a very crushing thing to hear. Um, but at the same time, I think we already knew Hackett was bad. Um, and then some of the other things in there as well. But, you know, what you said about Salah, I mean, I agree. It was definitely because I think with him, some of the things that are laid out in the article, I also kind of had like thoughts that he was, you know, that he had that mentality. I feel like in press conferences and just the actions of the team, you kind of got that sense of, you know, complacency after Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Like, okay, we're off the hook now. Aaron Rodgers is injured. We should have no expectations. I already was kind of getting those vibes throughout the season. And that was really my biggest criticism of him and really the whole team. It's the way they kind of just took a mulligan for the season after Rodgers went down. Um, so then to hear, you know, these very specific details of him, you know, researching records of other coaches uh, and how they did without their Hall of Fame quarterbacks and, you know, to kind of have the rallying cry of like, you know, it basically seemed like he did have that exact mentality that we thought. So that was also crushing. And, you know, when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, we knew the expectations were going to take a nosedive. That's fair. But it, you still would like to see the organization have that mentality of, you know what? It's next man up. We're still going to make the best of the season. We expected to be contenders. We're going to try our best to continue being that. But it really felt like they kind of mailed it in. And I think that's what this story, more than anything, kind of confirms is that they really are so beholden to Aaron Rodgers that they felt like he goes down. They got nothing else to play for or nothing to cover for that, which you know maybe that's realistic based on the talent of the roster, which is also on them, you know, the lack of signing a backup quarterback and drafting offensive line, signing offensive line, that's also on them. Um, so as realistic as that may be to where they couldn't have competed seriously without Aaron Rodgers, I don't think it's an excuse to just say, let's go have the worst offense in history because it was, it was the, in terms of DVOA, the worst Jets offense we've ever seen. So I don't think there was an excuse to just be that bad. And it seemed like they were perfectly okay with it. And that, that's what I took away from the article the most is it just kind of confirms the beholdenness to Aaron Rodgers and the complacency with, you know, he went down and we're, we're okay with what happens and we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. I don't think there needs to be any accountability. So that that's what was the most frustrating part to me. Yeah. And, you know, Salah was quoted. I don't, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was essentially, what do you expect me to do with Aaron Rodgers injured? And I, I expect you to put together an offense better than that. Uh, you know, it's one thing, yeah. We know we know the offense is not going to be as good with Zach Wilson playing quarterback, but Zach Wilson was the quarterback in 2021 and 2022, and the offense was still better those years than it yeah. was in 2023. So that's not a great excuse. And the other thing is, you know, it talked about how he pinned it all on Zach Wilson, and I mean, I look at that and I say, yeah, like I know Zach Wilson wasn't great, but like, did you see the offensive line? Did you see the wide receivers? 
I don't see how you could just say right. this is all Zach Wilson's fault. I mean, there were other issues, and obviously the scheme. I mean, the scheme was just a catastrophe. I mean, we could we could spend probably a full week of shows breaking down how bad the scheme was this year. Yeah. But you know, it's almost like he was disengaged from like the real problem. It was like, and that's the thing. That's what strikes to me is it's almost like once he had that excuse, it's like okay, whatever. You know, can't expect me to do yeah. anything. Not even like address the situation critically. Yeah, and that's what's really frustrating because. Again, like we all knew Super Bowl off the table when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. That's fine. All those expectations were gone. But this was, you know, with Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, that was an opportunity to see, okay, coaching staff, front office, what do you guys bring to the table beyond Aaron Rodgers? That is what we got a chance to see this season. And what we saw, as, you know, evidenced by this article, is a group of guys that is just going to ride Aaron Rodgers as far as he takes them. And I think that's a scary thing when you're trying to compete for a Super Bowl because, like, Aaron Rodgers is awesome. We all know that. He's one of the greatest of all time. Um, I'm not going to say the greatest. I think Mahomes is coming pretty quickly for that. But one of the greatest of all time. But even he's only won one Super Bowl in his career. He can't do it on his own. And so if he couldn't do it with those Green Bay teams, which often had very good offensive lines, great coaching staff. Like I think Matt LaFleur has really proven that this year that he's a good head coach. If they couldn't do it, then why are you going to do it just sitting back and letting Rodgers try to do it on his own? Because that is really the vibe that they kind of gave off this year. It's like, we got Rodgers, we're good to go. So it's, for us, it would, you know, after the season to, you know, from an ownership perspective, not fire any coaches, at least, you know, prominent, meaningful ones, um, you know, show no ac accountability in that regard. And then now to have these, this article coming out that shows a lot of very specific things that confirms some of, some of the suspicions we had about their complacency. It's, you know, it, it makes it difficult to be optimistic about the future when you have people leading the team that don't seem able or willing to kind of recognize their own flaws and correct them. So I think it's, it's, it's also just a disappointing, I think, because one of the, Despite the lack of wins, I think one of the things that was appealing at least two years in with this new regime under Sala and, and Douglas prior to Sala coming in is it felt like they were improving the culture. It, it was less of a, you know, you know, quote unquote circus compared to what it may have been in previous years. But now with this season and Aaron Rodgers coming in and now this, it just feels like they're back to being that type of team again and not that, you know, tight ship organization that's not letting things out information is just leaking out so it's that's another thing is just kind of disappointing to see the see them devolve back into that type of franchise this episode is brought to you by linkedin at the start of the new year every small business owner is asking themselves the same question what's the one move i can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024 linkedin jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. After all these reports, I think a lot of teams would make a coaching change. They may make a change in their front office, and they may need to use LinkedIn Jobs to help find quality candidates. Well, not the Jets. The Jets are sticking with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas for another year. But who knows? Maybe next year they'll be making a change, and maybe they'll use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn is not just another job sport. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring's easy when you have that many 
quality candidates. So easy. In fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and may not have time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. The big game's just over a week away. The San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs will play Super Bowl 58 from Las Vegas for the NFL Championship. When the big day comes, you don't want to worry about cooking. You don't want to put all that effort in. That's where DoorDash comes in. DoorDash can connect you with restaurants all over the city. Lots of great places. No matter what you want to eat, you just open up the app, you place an order, and a dasher will bring you a delicious meal. One restaurant in New York is Daily Provisions. They have anything you could want. You know, if you're ordering from lunch, you might get a roll with pink, freshly uh, roasted top ground beef with Munster cheese, crispy onions, and horseradish mayo. You can also order a bacon, egg, and cheese if you want to order a little bit earlier for breakfast. No matter what you want, DoorDash has you covered. And you should know that if you we can save 50% up to a $10 value on DoorDash when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, don't forget to use code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. And when I see you know them blaming Rodgers' injury for everything, I say, well, look, obviously you can't replace an Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, but for the offense to reach these depths without Rodgers in there, when you think about the team that they've built, the, I'm talking the front office right now, we're talking about the job the coaching staff did. When it gets that bad, it, the question is, what? Are, okay, we know what Aaron Rodgers brings to the table. If Rodgers is there, it'll be better. But that doesn't tell me that you're doing a good job. That just tells me, like, right. okay, Aaron Rodgers, like, yeah. I mean, I could probably coach an offense with Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback. Yeah. Um, so it's like, this is like the thing that makes you wonder, like, if the Jets win, how much of it is coach? How much of it is because they have quality yeah. coaching? How much of it is because of Rodgers? Because we saw what this coaching looks like without Rodgers. And, I, you know, we always talk about how sometimes you can't blame a coach if he doesn't have talent. And, you know, if, if a team's losing, it's not necessarily a sign of bad coaching. But if a team's winning, it's not necessarily a sign of good coaching. It could just be like a right. great quarterback lifting you on your on your back. So that's that's another issue I have with the way the, this has been approached. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what makes this season, you know, not a mulligan in the way that the franchise wants to treat it. Because, like, I don't even think the win total mattered. It was more so the quality of the overall product throughout the season because it's very easy easy to sit here and say, okay, they won seven games. You put Rodgers in there, add three or four, flip some of those close losses they had where they scored like 10 points or six points or whatever. Now you're in the playoffs and you're a contender. But I don't think it's that easy because, like, how many of the games – that they won easily could have flipped into losses. You know, the majority of their wins really other than, I guess, Houston, maybe throw Denver in there, New England at the end, but the Giants game, they should not have won. The Buffalo game required all the turnovers, the punt return, the Washington game, they were a field goal away from losing the Philly game, a fluky interception from Jalen Hurts. So like, you don't get to just keep the wins and, you know, add some losses or flip some of the losses when you put Rodgers in there. The bottom line is that the Jets were one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, they got outscored by almost 100 points. Their offense was efficiency-wise in terms of DVOA as bad it has 
as it has ever been for this team. So it they the team showed that putting Aaron Rodgers in there is not going to elevate them to championship level. Maybe they'll be a playoff team or a wild card team, but when we just saw the Dolphins go down in the playoffs with the what they did this season, the Bills, um, Baltimore. How is this Jets team going to win playoff games, even if they do get there? This was this season was an opportunity for the coaching staff to show that you throw an Aaron Rodgers in there, we can go all the way. But now it just looks like, okay, maybe he's so talented he could will you into the playoffs, but is he going to get you any further than that with this coaching staff? It's getting very difficult to see that. And, you know, one of the things that was mentioned in the article, which, again, didn't require – you know, probably didn't require uh, Rossini or Rosenblatt to tell us was Woody Johnson being starstruck by Rogers. And, you know, one of the things that I think has been an issue with this team the last year or so is how deferential they are to Rogers. And yeah. when I say that, I mean, it's like they bring in Hackett, they don't fire Hackett because he's Rogers' guy, you know, the guys they bring in Lazard, Cobb, um, you know, maybe Tim Boyle. And, it's not even like Roger. I'm not even sure Rogers is really making demands. I don't think it's a case where like Rogers is like the bad guy and he's saying you better do this. It's almost to me like a case where they're afraid to even ask because they're afraid they're going to upset him. It's like they're not even like broaching the topic of like, hey, this thing isn't working with Hackett. You know, we gotta make we gotta make a change. And I think about you know different scenario, but you know Joe Douglas and Adam Gase were close, um, and. The Douglas could see like this isn't working. We have to make a change. And like Rogers is a smart enough guy to see it wasn't working with Hackett. You know, even if he was close, it's and it's not so much that like Rogers is vetoing things. It's just they're afraid to go to him because they don't. They're just like don't want to. I, I don't know. That's that's like my read on the situation. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that, and that's really been my biggest criticism since. And it was you couldn't really say this before. You know, he got injured because there's so much optimism seemed like it was going in a good direction. You could feel some of it, especially in hindsight, if you look back at hard knocks, some of the things Sala was saying or different members of the team. Um, but definitely after he got injured and looking at how all the signings he may have contributed to, how those guys played out, how Hackett played out. And then now you get into the off season, then you get all these comments from ownership and, you know, the coaching staff front office that, you know, they all really kind of, they truly believe that it is okay what they just did. It all really does point back to everything you just said, where they are just kind of at Aaron Rodgers' mercy. And I was 100% on board with, I think most people were pursuing him, bringing him in. We all knew the situation they were in after last season, a great defense. It really felt like they were, they were a quarterback away after last season, and offensive line as well. That's another, another story. But it really did feel like, they were quarterback away. There weren't a ton of options. He was the best one and they made a great pursuit and they got him. So credit to them for that. But it just feels like ever since they got him, it's been way too much. You know, it just feels like they've given up, you know, the path that got them here, which was, you know, patient draft drafting, developing talent. But now it's like, they just kind of gave up on being a real football team since they got him. And it's more just like the Aaron Rodgers show. So we'll see what happens. Um, maybe Rodgers is still so talented and amazing that he could lift up the whole team, but it is disappointing to see like that there can't be any you know pushback toward it. And, and like you said, because it doesn't seem like he is making demands. Like he denied that he made a shopping list or however they quoted it last off season. 
and said like he just made suggestions. Um, and then I don't think that if they moved on from Hackett, he would, you know, like say I'm retiring or I'm out of here. I, I would hope that he was able to, you know, see that clearly enough that it would be a, a reasonable move. So that's the thing. It does feel like they just kind of don't want to take any chances. Like we got Aaron Rodgers. Let's do whatever we need to take to make sure he's happy. Nothing else matters. So it's disappointing. I wish they would just treat him as far as you can, because you can't just treat him like a normal football player, but as much as you possibly can, I wish they just, you know, say, here's another great player we got. We're going to keep building this team, how we see fit. We're going to show accountability to coaches who shouldn't be here, to players who shouldn't be here. And we're going to build this team as we would in any other season. But it just feels like Rogers kind of dictates every move right now, which is, uh, uh, I would say, a frightening thing as you're looking to the future and seeing how they're going to try to build this into a championship contender. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. If you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Hill and comedian Andrew Schultz, well, now you can find the community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. And you should also know that prize picks offers a reboot policy. So let your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted and prize picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with this injury insurance policy. Go to prizepickscom slash NFL and use code lockdown NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, go to prizepickscom slash NFL and use code lockdown NFL. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L, Lockdown NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100 using PrizePix. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, and I think about like what happened in Green Bay the first couple of years with Matt LaFleur, because he did not love everything about Matt LaFleur's offense. Uh, and he was vocal about that. He said, you know, there's things he didn't like, but he and LaFleur kind of met each other halfway and he won back-to-back MVPs. So clearly, like, you know, sometimes like the player doesn't always know best. That's why you have the coaches. And, you know, it's right. the coach's job to work with the players. The coaches need to figure out what the player is comfortable with. But you can't just always give the player exactly what he wants. So there was talk in the article about how, you know, uh, Hackett was calling plays in practice, and Rogers like, "No, we're not doing that." And like co- some of the some of the other coaches were just like, "Why are you doing that? Why are you letting him do that?" You know, it, it has to be a partnership. It can't just be a situation where the player has all the control. And uh, it it doesn't feel like the Jets have struck that balance well. Yeah, I mean, there's the one quote in that article. I think they said it's less of a uh, Hackett and Rogers is less of a player coach relationship. They said it's more of like a frat boy friendship or something like that. So. Which I mean, I like the idea that he's a you know players coach relates with guys. It seems like players like him, just you know, notwithstanding the play calling and designs, but just as a you know teacher and as a person, I think they seem to like him. And it's good that Rogers is comfortable. It seems like 
Hackett being there really helped him embrace the city and the new organization and all that. So I think that's great. But like you said, there has to be that dynamic to where like we're going back and forth, exchanging ideas, not just I'm here. So no one can get in the way of Aaron doing whatever he wants, because that kind of feels like all Hackett is there to do is just be like, someone else isn't the offensive coordinator who's going to push back against him. I'm here. I'm his buddy. So he could do what he wants. So, and, and it also goes back to some of the hires that they've been exploring here with, you know, the position coaches and stuff. I feel like every single coach that they try to hire, maybe do Staley doesn't count here, which who they didn't hire anyway, but most of them have been guys who they know and have connections with already with Sala or some of the other Hackett top offensive coach, coaches like Downing, Carter, they're just kind of staying within their circle. They're not going outside the box, looking to get new perspectives, trying to challenge each other, look at, you know, look themselves in the mirror and say, look, we were awful. I don't care that Rogers wasn't here. O-line, whatever. This was historically bad. We need to change things. We need to be better. Let's get some new perspectives. Instead of that, it's just, let's get our friends in here and let's just keep doing what we're doing. So the whole off season and, you know, continuing back through the season itself has just given off this sense of complacency and acceptance that I think is really disappointing because Aaron Rodgers is going to add some wins. He's going to help provided that he's healthy, but he's not even close to by himself going to get this team to championship level, which is what you got him to do not to make the playoffs or win a playoff game. You got him to win a Super Bowl, and it doesn't feel like they're going to get there without being a little more, um, you know, accepting of their own struggles and willing to make changes uh, that need to be made. One other thing that kind of alarmed me from the article is it gave me an indication that Woody Johnson is much more involved in the day-to-day stuff than I thought he was. And this is something that kind of flew under the radar. They didn't explicitly say it, but there was one point where they talked about how they made changes and they inserted more young players before a game and Woody signed off on that. But the biggest thing was, they mentioned that Woody Johnson's like scanning social media and like bringing fan yeah. criticism to the coaching staff. And like, I, look, I don't trust this coaching staff, but I trust the coaching staff a lot more than Woody Johnson and a bunch <laughs> of fans on Twitter. And I'm like, I'm reading this. I'm like, what on earth is this? I'm like, this can't be real. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I make some decent points and I post them out there sometimes, but I, I do have the uh, self-awareness to know that I, even a hack it, I would probably trust more than myself. And there's no reason you should be, looking at anybody on social media and recommending that to the coaching staff. I mean, I had a sense of that because I I know his account posts a lot, but I don't think it's him. It's probably like an intern or something, but there is like, there have been times where they've made a uniform decision that kind of seemed like all the fans are talking about it. And they're like, Oh, we all want white on black. And then it's white on black. So I did kind of get that sense. So I wasn't totally surprised to see that, but to hear like suggestions about the offense, is frustrating. And I I feel like Sala is too um, in tune with the narratives and criticism as well. It always, in most of his press conference, I mean, it feels like he always is aware of like what people are saying about the offense or how the team is playing. And he'll have, you know, a defense ready. And then some of the things in this article also made it kind of seem like he's very, you know, he, he very much wants to make sure he's, defended out there like he wants to defend his narratives knows what the criticisms are about him so i think that's also not a good thing um so yeah i mean it's there's a lot of bad it's 
it's not a good thing. I, I mean, I also want to, I haven't really discussed this too much with anyone else yet, but I'm curious what you think. What do you think of in terms of like the validity of the report? Because a lot of people are talking about like, you know, Brucini and, you know, Rosenblatt or whatever. Like they want to, you know, maybe they have certain agendas and they want to put this out for certain reasons or, you know, who are the sources behind this article? I mean, what did you think overall in terms of like the accuracy of it and maybe um, the reasoning behind why it was published and why some of the you know sources may have said what they said. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I could speculate, but you know, I've been doing this a long time, and I, I'll tell you, I, I saw a lot of the stuff you were saying. I've been doing this since like 2008. Um, you know, the podcast has been around since 2016, so I've seen a lot of these like exposés. And whenever they come out, these criticisms are always exactly the same. A lot of them hold up um, over the long haul, though. I think. I mean, I don't. I have no reason to doubt anything that they said. I think so. I think like in the NFL, there's a lot of times where like somebody will talk, the reporter will talk to like three people and they'll get like vibes on the locker room. And that's not always accurate. I think they'll say like, oh, the locker rooms, locker rooms at, at odds. And it might be like one person's perspective. And right. I, I always dislike that. And I'll be honest with you. I think like sometimes Rossini is a little bit guilty of that. Um, but my thing is they spoke with 30 people. And I think like if you talk with 30 people within the organization, and I'm assuming that like they went like up and down the organization, I'm assuming they were talking to like lower level people, high level people, that there are probably certain themes that come back, come up over and over and over. And I think like when you speak with that many people, you probably get a good sense of what's going on within the organization. So, I mean, I don't, you know, like there are certain things that are impossible to, pr to prove or impossible to disprove because like there are a lot, there are, there are certain things that, that are subjective, like is the defense like is there a split between the defense and the offense yeah. like that's not that's not right. an objective thing this isn't like this isn't like you know did you score more points than, did you have more receiving yards than that guy like there you know there every, people may have different viewpoints on these things but i would guess most of it is pretty accurate because they just had such a like a large sample size it's to me like that's the thing is like they spoke with 30 people so I have no reason to doubt this. There was something that really like kind of, and again, like I've been doing this a really long time. I've been doing this over 15 years. There was something that like went off in my head, like a siren though, when I, when I read this story and it's when the team has a losing season, especially the jets where, you know, the owner pits people against each other, where you constantly see this front office coaching staff divide. And again, this is something I've seen over and over is like when the jets have a bad season, sometimes the coaching staff and the front office try and get their narrative out there. And this is a theory. I'm trying, I hope I don't get you in trouble for this, but you're tying <laughs> you to the show where I'm about to throw this theory out there. But you know, some I've seen this happen a lot with the jets where it's like the coach, the coaching staff wants to make sure the front office gets the blame. The front office wants to see the coaching staff get the blame. Something that stuck out to me was there was a lot of criticism of the coaching staff. You didn't hear a lot of criticism of the yes, front office. Yes, I also yeah. noticed that. I noticed that the as front well. office, like I mean, there was no talk about what they did at tackle, which was a questionable strategy going in. And to the extent like there was criticism about the personnel moves, it was oh, well, Woody made us sign all of Aaron Rodgers' friends. You know that there was a conspicuous lack of criticism for the shortcomings of the front office, and that stuck out to me. Yeah, I saw that as well. So, I mean, when I was trying to think about, like, who may have been the source of these reports, because, you know, most of them are anonymous, or all of them, um, it did feel like it was kind of front office sourced, because, like you said, like, Joe Douglas, I forget if his name was even in there, but if it was, it was hardly mentioned. There wasn't a lot of talk about why they did or didn't make certain moves in the offseason. It was all 
coaching centric. So that did kind of give the vibe of like maybe this was coming out of the front office trying to deflect blame towards the coaches um, if it were anyone. And then, the, you know, you had the Rex Hogan news, which, you know, a lot of people are, of course, going to immediately speculate, speculate, you know, he's the rat. That's why he's out here. But apparently Rich Samini is saying that that was done weeks ago. It wasn't. Well, uh, again, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, here's the thing about that. You know, they're saying like they, yeah. they found the source of the well within this story, though, there was also talk of that. They they had so much trouble finding the source of the Zach Wilson is hesitant to go back in story that Robert Salah threatened to confiscate phones, which yeah. I don't know if they were like team issued, but you, you're not allowed to do that if it's somebody's personal phone. So like that's why that thing didn't make sense to me because it's like it's like they obviously can't find the source of these stories. So like how would they be able to find find out if somebody did it within an hour and then fire them? You know it doesn't make sense. Right, right, yeah. So I, I maybe it wasn't Hogan specifically, but it uh, the lack of front office criticism did kind of send that message of you know maybe it was coming from there. But I, I mean I'm with you. Like I don't really have too many uh, doubts about how accurate it is. I mean, maybe some things were, like you said, maybe sometimes it gets exaggerated a little bit, but I mean, I don't think they would, you know, put this report out there with claiming they have 30 sources if it wasn't pretty accurate. And it does, most of the things in it kind of isn't necessarily new information. It's more just kind of examples that back up criticisms we already had. So, I mean, I'm not too skeptical of, uh, how valid it is but more more than anything i think if there's one thing to take away from it is just that it's unfortunate that you know this team has become a, a source of drama once again which you know despite its it did feel like they'd kind of moved past that even with rogers coming in the whole offseason felt very positive um in terms of the vibes around the team that he brought to the team but but now it feels like there's a, a lot of non-football talk as there there used to be. That's our episode for today. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Michael Nania for joining me. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. If you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you like the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up if you like it. Helps us out. Helps other Jets fans find the podcast. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.